Welcome to In the News for September the 1st, 2023. I am Brett Burney from AppsonLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone GD. Brett, if it's September, you know what month this is. Well, it's, you know, some of the big news. Let's let's just jump right in. The most important story that you reported on this week, Jeff, was your daughter able to go through <laughs> 1,860 text messages? <laughs> Not what I thought you were going to say, but you're right. That I was know. Interesting. <laughs> you, you posted that you? she had a bunch of messages, and that, that was a great screenshot that you had this this past week. I actually sent that one to you. I texted that one to you when I first saw that picture, Brett, because I just had to share it with somebody. I'm like, that's just crazy. crazy. How could you possibly have that many text messages? But putting aside that the <laughs> messages app does support four digits, which is good to know. It is, yes. it is Y2K com compliant and it is four digit compliant. <laughs> the second. So your daughter, yeah. week. So your daughter got <laughs> scooped, of course, this week, because that would have been a good story just on its own, Jeff, if you, you put it on iPhone JD. But <laughs> Apple scooped your daughter. Finally, as you are getting to here, we have an actual date for the Apple announcement where we think Apple is going to announce the iPhone 15. Uh, I mean, many, many uh, rumors and speculation point to that for sure. But Apple has announced that on September the 12th, that's a Tuesday, I believe, at 10 a.m. Yeah. Pacific time, there will be an Apple event. And boy, this logo looks really cool. I know it's exciting. So I mean, we have next week, and then which is going to be a short week uh, here in the United yes. States, and then the week after that, that's on Tuesday. So it is just right around the corner that we're going to get a new iPhone, and you know the rumors say new Apple Watch, and uh, perhaps even new, um, perhaps Who even knows? some uh, new AirPods, I know, I mean, anything AirPods. else. They got to yep. have something to fill out the events. And now that <laughs> Apple is doing these pre-recorded events, you know they move at a at a quicker pace than before. So they've got they've got room for more announcements in there. I'm sure we'll see more about the new iOS and stuff like that. Um, but if of course, the big news in everybody's mind is the new iPhone. You know, what are we going to say? Yeah. And like I said, everybody's been talking about this. You know, we have been talking about it, including us uh, over the last several weeks, that this is the typical um uh, the, 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 the calendar year when Apple typically will announce the newest iPhone as they do pretty much have every year. Now the iPhone 15 is slated to come out now in specifically what colors that the iPhone 15 is going to come out and specifically what models is going to come out. That is really what has kind of left up in the air, right, Jeff, and exactly yeah. what we're going to get here. Yeah. One of the rumors, it's, it's interesting, this one's going to be on September 12th. The first, I think this was the first time that Apple started its now seemingly inevitable trend of announcing new iPhones in September. It was also on a September 12th back in 2012. So that's 11 years wow. ago. And 11 okay. years ago to the day, that one was an interesting one, Brett, because do you remember which iPhone was announced 12 years ago? That would have been the oh iPhone goodness. number. Five. I was going to say, and five, the iPhone yes. number five wow. sticks out wow. for a number of reasons, including the taller screen. But the big thing that iPhone yes. five moved away from the thirty-pin connector. So eleven dun, years dun, ago, dun. Apple said we are done with that big clunky thirty-pin connector. We are going to move to Lightning, and here we are, eleven years later. And the rumor, of course, is that Apple is going to say 
we are done with Lightning, and it's now time to move on to USB-C. And this one isn't even as much of a rumor. I mean, as I understand it, the EU regulations are sort of requiring <laughs> that new right, smartphones right. have That's a right. USB-C connector. So Apple has a little bit of a defense here that they can say, hey, they're making us do it. You know, at least in Europe, right. they're making us do it. That's good but point. I think there's a lot of advantage. But I see that you, you're starting to link to. I mean, this is, is this going to be controversial? I mean, what do you think, Brett? Do you think yeah. that the, the, the public at large, do you think people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe I need to change to a new connector? Or do you think that people are familiar enough now with USB-C? I, I really don't know. What do you think? Yeah. You had a couple of great links here, what you're referring to uh, from uh, John Gruber, Darian Fireball, and Jason Snell over at Six Colors, mm -hmm. is that if indeed that Apple now moves the iPhone to USB-C, because you know we're using Macs right? on my Mac laptop is all USB-C, the iPad, iPad Pros are all yeah. USB-C. It's just really, I say not just the iPhone, but the iPhone accessories. You just mm -hmm. held up your AirPods Pro yeah. is mm -hmm. that I have a lightning cable that I keep for not only my iPhone, but also the AirPods Pro to charge them. Right. Up. Also, I have that. Um, what is it called? The MagSafe Duo, right? The little thing that opens up and I can charge my phone and my and my Apple Watch. That is lightning cable as well. Like I still have lightning cables around. So these stories that you're linking to here is both uh, speculation from John Gruber and Jason Snell, which I thought they both were very balanced in the fact that, listen, you know, for those of us that are techie nerds, we're comfortable with USB-C. In fact, we see the writing on the wall. This is going to happen. It should happen. And we're going to be prepared for it. And we've already got a bunch of USB-C cables lying around. But Jeff, I also do think even folks like my wife, my lovely wife, who is, you know, <laughs> just by the factor that she knows me, she's a little bit more, you know, ahead of the tech spectrum than probably most of the, her friends and stuff. But she, I know, is going to be annoyed because it's like she's got a cable that she's been using for years that are lightning cable. And it's like all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, this doesn't work. I know yeah. my mother, for example, who I've got her on an iPhone for many years. She's very comfortable with the charger that she uses. She's going to try plugging in if she gets a new iPhone and it's not going to work. And I just... You know, they also reference here in this story is that 30 pin connector, exactly what you re referenced. And I felt like, you know, there was a lot of backlash because it was a different connector altogether. People had to get new cables. I think we have made that transition fairly smoothly. Both Jason and John here talk about the fact that, hey, there is more USB-C cables around today than there were lightning cables because that was a brand new connector, right? Back right, there right. In, in, in 2012 when, when uh, Apple released that. So anyway, that's sort of kind of a circular arguments on just different thoughts that I have on this. I think it's going to go better than probably the 30-pin the to the lightning <laughs> uh, change just because um, uh, people already have some USB-C cables, but I definitely think there's going to be some challenges in there as well. I'll tell you what yeah. will help is that if Apple does bundle USB-C cables with all the new iPhones, right? I mean, that mm -hmm. was one of the things that I think they did right back in 2012. They bundled lightning cables with all the new iPhones. In other words, if they just make sure that they provide that cable there for people, I think that will help smooth things over just a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because the you know there was uh, a certain segment of the population of users that were that were upset in 2012. You know, Apple's going to make us get this new connector. And part of the complaint was that it was right. proprietary. But it, it was always amazing to me because Lightning was just unmistakably better. I mean, it was so much smaller. You could plug so it better. in either way. I mean, so everything about yeah. it was better. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. can see the Great. argument. 
that USB-C and Lightning are very similar. In fact, that might be, for me, an argument for change. Sometimes when I'm looking in my bag, you can't, when you look at the end of it, you're like, wait a minute, is that one a USB-C? Right. Is that one yep. a Lightning? Because they're they're right. very similar and they're both reversible. So there's not, except for the fact that one is proprietary and one is an open standard, there's not a huge difference. Um, You know, I, I guess yeah, one of the differences could be speed. And that's not because of USB-C per se. It's that, and this is one of the things that I hate about USB-C, is that USB-C is both a standard for a plug. It's both a shape and it's and, and mm-hmm. it's a transport protocol. So, you know, Good point. every USB-C cable is not alike. You can look at two USB-C cables and unless they're marked in a special right. way, you can't That's even right. tell that some of them are much faster than others. And one of the related rumors for uh, two weeks from now, less than two weeks, is that on the iPhone Pro, maybe all models, but at least on the iPhone Pro models, they will allow you to use um, a super fast transfer method through one of the um, the fast versions of USB-C, um, which, so the, and which is particularly useful because if you've ever taken um, HD video on your iPhone and then you want to go home and edit it and bring it into Final Cut Pro or something like that, um, right. the big bottleneck is it's so slow to get the True. video off of your phone and you can right. just sit there right. and you can wait. You can plug it into your computer to your Mac or your or PC and you can download videos, but it takes a long time. And so if you could have mm-hmm. like a super fast connection, that would actually be something nice to have. And so I think that would be an advantage of USB-C, but then it brings up, you know, you're going to have to make sure you got the right cable right. and you can't just look right. at the cable. So there's going to be some confusion that comes along with USB-C. I do think that overall it is a good change and I'm glad that Apple is making it, but it's, it's absolutely something that people are going to be talking about. Uh, it another, makes me think, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. You go. No, I was just going to move to a different topic, which is just another one of the things that people are talking about is that maybe the new iPhone, instead of having for the pro model, instead of having this sort of uh, stainless steel is that it might have titanium, which yeah. is lighter which will be interesting. I know they have a titanium. Uh, I think they still sell it. They have sold in the past the titanium model of the Apple Watch. Um, so that'll be another interesting change right. for the Pro. Well, the Apple Ultra is a is titanium. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, you know, I I, I can't I can't move just yet because I got to go back. Mm-hmm. One thing I would just think it brought up is that when we switched from the thirty pin connector to Lightning connector, I still had some iPhones that were thirty pin or iPads that were thirty pin, and then right. I had iPhones that were Lightning. So here's the other thing, just quickly to your to your original question, Jeff. I know when I move to an iPhone fifteen, guess what? Daddy will have a Lightning or a USB C connector for the iPhone fifteen. But guess what? that my wife and my kids are going to have. They're still going to have the older phones with lightning cables. So in other words, I think, and somebody mentioned this, maybe Jason did in in his piece, is that we're still going to be a mixed household (laughs) in the sense that we're going to have lightning and USB-C. And, you know, just something quickly also that you mentioned when you were talking about it, it looks very similar. I have moved, I think really on your suggestion a a few months ago, I have moved to the fact that when I get a USB-C to USB-C cable, I have a specific color that I get from Amazon. So that when I look in my bag of spaghetti and I find need to find the wire that I need, I know immediately what Mm -hmm. it is because it's a specific color. And it's like most of all of these are white and everybody likes to have the white cable because that's what Apple usually ships with. But it's like, you're right, I have to look. Sometimes I have a USB-C, a USB-A to lightning cable and I have a Mm USB-C to lightning cable, Jeff, because sometimes mm-hmm. the, you know, some of the, 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 the plugs and the blocks that Apple ships are USB-C. And it's like, I get infuriated because every time I inevitably will pull out the wrong one. So anyway, just to go one. back to, yeah. I just had, I just had a few more griefs that I had to say on the, yeah. on the, on the change. There. And I, I know and I will add on the that, right that at move. least, 
Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. least for now, I was mentioning the high speed version of USB C. I mean, that the high speed USB C, which is Thunderbolt, um, I understand those are actually thicker cables. So maybe it'll be a little obvious to your eye. But, you know, when you're looking at a bag, <laughs> maybe. a thick cable versus a thin one, I who know. knows? They're know. also very expensive, too, um, these Thunderbolt cables. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. going to be a transition period. I mean, I'm already in a point where when I travel or heck, just in my, in my bag, I carry every day, I've got both oh, yeah. USB C to Lightning and, of course, yep. um, USB C to USB C. And so we're just going to be in this transition period. You know, I remember for many, many years after we moved past 30 pin, I was still sort of carrying some 30 pin stuff with me just in case, because you never know if you encounter just something and have something. Exactly. And then you, you finally get to that point many, many years later where you're like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not, the 30 yeah. pin ones can all go stick in a drawer somewhere. Um, the lightning stuff, I have no doubt. I am going to be carrying around lightning cables for a very, very long time, just for either backwards compatibility for me or for family members, like you say. But, um, but then eventually- Eventually, we'll get to the point okay. Where I'm sorry. One more brief, mm -hmm. because here's the thing: if Apple announces the iPhone 15 USB-C, mm -hmm. they better Jeff announce also updated AirPods cases, <laughs> because yeah. I don't want like all of the iPhone accessories that I just mentioned. Like you better update all of those because are you still going to have an iPhone 15 with USB-C connector and then have an AirPods case? with lightning it's like that would just infuriate me more but you know who knows i mean it, they will eventually do it if they don't do it you know on the on the 12th on september 12th but anyway uh okay yeah this one too my I'm little MagSafe uh, battery yes, pack that i'm holding you, here it's got pack. lightning you know there's that's all these lightning. there's gonna be all of these little things that's the thing you know wouldn't it be ironic if the battery pack is the one thing that i need the lightning for you know there's gonna always be something that has lightning. i know um going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to what you were talking about. Cause this is actually, you know, I'll start my griefs here. Titanium phone, or as Jason Snell even, uh, mentioned, and I'll piggyback on your titanium rumor here, Jeff, what about an iPhone ultra? Yeah. We have the yeah. Apple watch. We have the Apple watch ultra, which I'm a big fan of, which the ultra by the Apple watch ultra, by the way, is titanium. And I love it because it just is not heavy at all. And I got to tell you, my iPhone 14 pro, when I compare it to like my wife's iPhone 12, my 14 pro is so much heavier, Jeff. Now, yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot more battery and a lot more stuff in there. I know it's not just the aluminum aspect of it, but mm -hmm. Jason thinks maybe an iPhone 15 ultra. Could we possibly see that? Which at that point, <laughs> I feel like the price on the Ultra, an iPhone Ultra, it's probably going to be up the same as like a MacBook Pro. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's just going to start getting ridiculous. His theory is that that might be a new, I mean, it's just a marketing, what, what they call it is what they call it. But of his course. idea is that, you know, you have the iPhone Pro and then you have the iPhone Pro Max, which is the larger model. He's like, if 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 it's just the same sort of larger version of it, well, it makes no sense to have a new name. But if Apple were to add something extra special to that largest, most expensive yeah. iPhone, then maybe yeah. it would justify a new title. And, you know, the one thing, and I think it was just last week that I was, or maybe two weeks ago, I was telling you is that I, I hear these rumors and I sort of speculate myself that the um, they might be having this Periscope camera and maybe it'll only be in the large model right. of the iPhone Pro. Right. And right. it's going to be tough because I've always avoided getting the larger iPhones. But if it is a real big difference in <laughs> camera quality, gosh, yep. I might consider spending at least I a know. year on a larger model, even though I think I might regret it. I just don't know. And I may end up going back. So that would be something that, you know, if, if I hear iPhone ultra announced in 10 days, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be excited, 
but also uh-huh. a little, <laughs> a little nervous. And you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be on edge until I see all the details because uh, we shall see. But it does make natural sense. I mean, as you say, the, the the Apple Watch Ultra has been such a big hit. People that have that thing, like you and many others, all yeah. seem to love it. And love so, it. Um, and people love their iPhone so much. You know, just from a marketing standpoint, if you could have something as the iPhone Ultra, you know, that people are going to buy it just based on the name alone just to get yep. the best, you know, and Guilty. then go from there. So I, it <laughs> would not surprise me, not surprise me. Just just to see what it's like. It, it, so I, I'm trying to think how many years now that we have had just like there's an iPhone and there's an iPhone Pro and iPhone mm-hmm. Pro Max, right? I mean, they seem to change just slightly every year because, you know, we used to have the mini. That was the iPhone 13 was the last time we had an iPhone mini, right? Um, and so it's like, are we going to have an iPhone, an iPhone Pro, and then will we have a Max or an Ultra? Like, we just don't know, obviously, on some of this. But in this article that you linked to from Jason Snell, he was even referencing back the iPhone 5 or the iPhone 5S or the iPhone 5C in 2013. You know, when Apple tried to, like, kind of break off a little bit and maybe have a different type of a phone, you know, that may appeal. At this point, Mm -hmm. they were kind of going, I think, on the lower side, like different colors. It was a plastic back. Uh, But, you know, he says the iPhone 5C was a little bit of a a flop. Uh, It was a great idea, he said, but people just didn't really gravitate toward it. To your point that you were just making, (laughs) if there's a bigger and a better option, and if people can, you know tweak it just a little bit to get into that bigger um you know to that bigger better kind of a uh kind of a, a layer maybe they'll go for that instead of maybe a, a lower end phone we'll we'll just have to see yeah i'm just looking at my sort of notes from history so the first iphone comes out in 2007 of course and yeah. then um we talked about the iphone 5 in 2012 which was the change right. from a uh, 30 pin to lightning um yeah. and then uh two years after that when the iphones because after the iphone 5 it was the iphone 5s and then two years later in 2014 it was the iphone 6 and that was the first year that apple had the iphone 6 and then also the 6 plus which was the bigger yeah, version plus, and so right. since 2014 so it's been what nine years now okay, they've had okay. you know at least that market differentiation between the smaller and of course i say smaller in quotes because the, even the iphone 6 was much bigger than the original iphone oh, yeah. um and then somewhere along the way they into also in 2016 they came out with the se so now they had sort of a different line so you know this differentiation right. among the iphone line and now we're at the point where there's all sorts of different iphones you can get the se you get the pro you get the you know the, right. the, the big the, still, the, right. the lesser version yeah. bigger small yeah. the, the pro version yeah. bigger small so there's just so much differentiation among the line so um so it's 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 interesting. It will be very interesting to see what happens on Tuesday, September 12th. Uh, I know you and I, as usual, will be watching it. We won't do anything live, but we will certainly have a lot to talk about on that Friday, whatever whatever that Friday will be in September, uh, two weeks from from uh, from now. Uh, very very exciting. You know, talking about this confusion a little bit on the market of iPhones reminds me or makes me think of the market on iPads. Um, uh, there's a few iPad uh, links that 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 you had in your post today, but it would just maybe kind of thinking on a tangential side, like how many iPads are available today? We have the iPad, we have the iPad Air still, right? And then we have the iPad Pros, I guess not too many more models. And then the iPad Mini the too. And then the iPad Minis is still is still available on there. Um, so yeah, like in in the iPad is still uh 
a touch ID, if I'm not mistaken, right? The iPad Pros or Face ID. Anyway, just just really crazy. It, it, just getting to the point here to kind of round off that iPhone discussion. I hope that Apple will kind of consolidate and maybe or aggregate some of those models to just make it a little bit simpler. But anyway, it it just, it to me, is sort of the evolution. I was even thinking of the X when the iPhone X came out. Then we had the XS and the XS Max, right? It's like it just is going to continue to evolve, and I think Apple's just going to continue to try to see what's going what's gonna to stick on there. But let's talk about the iPad quickly. A couple of stories, one that you mentioned, which I thought was interesting, is Jason Snell talking about, the redesign of not just the iPad, but maybe the keyboard that they sell for the iPad as well, the Magic Keyboard, which I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of. But to Jason's point, I think that he that he um, that he made in here, um, there's lots of other keyboards that are available for iPads today. But Apple really has the leg up on this because simply they make the iPad. They know exactly what the iPad, the size of the iPad. They know exactly the measurements and the the weight of it and all. And so they can design an actual keyboard that works. I've been thrilled with my Magic Keyboard, even without a function key row and even with a smaller kind of a trackpad. I'm still very happy with it today. Yeah, the um, the, the origin of all of this to sort of step back is I think it, in all of these stories, I think in some ways come from a rumor a couple of weeks ago from Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, which was that Apple may have a new iPad this year, but that it'll be next year when right. the iPad will have something new, some sort of a new design. And so just yeah. to give a, for instance, although this is minor, I have the big iPad Pro, which is the 12.9 inch. And Mark Gurman says the next version is going to be the 13 inch. Now, how much of a difference in size between 12.9 and 13? But it's the idea that it'll be, it'll, it'll be sort of starting Fair. fresh, starting new. And so that makes people think, well, if the iPad, at least the iPad Pros are going to start new and fresh, what could they add? What should they add? And then it gets into the bigger picture of accessories and that gets you the keyboard and stuff like that. And I want to come back to the keyboard too. Um, yeah, yeah. I will say though that the, the interesting thing about the iPad Pro and, and the theme of some of these stories that you're showing in the screen right now is um depending upon how you look at it it's a glass half full or glass half empty i i love my ipad okay. pro to death and i use it every single day i love the 12.9 version with the big screen etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's a sense that a number of years ago, you know, the iPad comes out in 2010 and mm -hmm. it starts to sell like gangbusters. And a couple of years later, I mean, the sales charts are just off the wall. And then, of course, it started to sort of tank because people had an iPad to realize that they stick around for a long time. You don't have to replace it every year like the iPhone. And so it plateaued. But before that plateau, you know, a lot of people speculate, and I think there might be something to this, that Apple itself thought that maybe the iPad was going to be the new personal computer. It would sort of replace the mm -hmm. Mac. And the idea would be that it would be so powerful that you can get everything done. You've got your keyboard, you've got everything, and that, and that that's really all that you need. Of course, then that changed because the iPad itself hits a plateau because there are limits on what it can do to keep the iPad so stable that it's not going to crash right, all the right. time. Um, it, it severely limits, you know, multitasking. It limits the ability for things to run in the background, which which limits what third parties can do, unlike a Mac or just about anything as possible or a PC. And so, you know, there's a limit to what the iPad can do for good reasons. But um, and then at the same time, Apple came up with their the Apple, uh, you know, the A series chips, which are just so much more powerful than Intel chips right. that the Mac started right. to take off. So the 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 the, the transition, that fork in the road, the people thought that the iPad might become the Mac. I think it went, it ended up going the other way. But where it leads you today is things like the iPad Pro. You know, can you, for example, just use an iPad Pro? Can you travel with only an iPad Pro? Um, you can, <laughs> but you have to know going into it that there's some things you're not going to be able to do 
on the road because there are just some things the iPad is not the best device for. And I get around that limitation when I travel because I keep my PC on in my office all the time. And so if right. I if I'm on the road yeah. and I need to do something that only a only a, a quote unquote real computer can do, I can just use something like a log me in or some virtual access to bring the PC up on my screen, do what I need to do on the PC and then go back to my iPad. And for me, that's a perfect solution. But if I didn't have access to, you know, the PC within an iPad or the Mac within an iPad, if you go that way, um, there would be some things that I couldn't do. So it leads to all of the speculation of what the next iPad could be, what it could do. And that brings us around to the accessories too, because as you say, the Magic Keyboard is something people love the Magic Keyboard. I've never had one because it just doesn't fit my personal needs, but I know that people love this thing. And and yet it has limitations. Like you said, because of the way that it has the design, um, there's not really space for the top row of keys that you would have on a computer keyboard. And so you'd have to sort of redesign it. And probably as I think Jason speculated in his, article if if you're going to make a bigger keyboard that has more keys you're going to probably need to make the base of the keyboard heavier which might a be a heavier, good thing right. because you could stick a battery in there and therefore it could like maybe recharge your ipad when oh, you're when yeah, you're using the case good. so that good would point. actually be nice but you know if you're gonna um you know so f- that's sort of the full circle if apple's going to rethink the ipad or at least the ipad pro and mm-hmm. rethink some of those accessories um what should it be adding into it i mean this is what everybody's wondering about now and there's all sorts of uh all sorts of interesting ideas about what might come i'm gonna push back just a little bit on some of your comments jeff because Mm -hmm. i remember in 2010 when steve jobs introduced the ipad and i distinctly remember a slide that he had behind him and on one side of the slide he had a phone and on the other side of the slide he had a macbook air or a pro i forget it was it was a laptop a macbook laptop and he said we are going to introduce something that we think is a third category of device, something that fits in the middle. And it was like a big question mark in the middle. He's like, everybody already has a phone. Everybody already has a computer. And we at Apple want to think, is there room in the middle for yet a third category of device? And you remember that day, he even mentioned the iPad doesn't need a keyboard. It doesn't need a mouse. It doesn't need a stylus to use any of that. All you need is your finger. And so I have always gone with that, Jeff, that the original vision of the iPad was not to replace a laptop. Now, it's funny because as soon as we started talking about the iPad all those years ago, Jeff, I know you got the same questions I did. The number one question is, ooh, ooh, the iPad, can it replace my laptop? I'd love to replace my laptop. And I would always look at them and say, why? Why do you want to replace your laptop? And it was usually an answer like, well, it's too heavy. Like, hey, if I can get by with something that's less, that's fine. But Apple did change from that, Jeff. I remember that that uh, that the little commercial that they had, right, where the kids like in the laying in their backyard and, you know, the mom's like, hey, you know, are you using a computer? And the kid's like, what's a computer? They're using an iPad. In other words, it replaced everything. And I know now we all know. Initially, Apple didn't release a keyboard for the iPad. Now they have a keyboard. They didn't initially have mouse support. Guess what? Mouse support now, Bluetooth mouse support. They didn't initially uh, have a a stylus. You had to get different styli. Now Apple sells the Apple Pencil, which is the best stylus available for the iPad. The point that I get to is I I still fondly remember that original vision, which I think at least Steve Jobs portrayed on that stage in 2010, Jeff. And I still think of my iPad initially as a third category of device. Here's the number one example, that, at least from my professional career that I use. When I want to read a PDF, which is, you know, many pages long, I could pull the PDF up on my 
widescreen computer screen, which means I only get to see half of that document at the time. And I could scroll and I could use my mouse to highlight. But you know what I prefer to do? I prefer to pull up that PDF on my iPad Pro where I can see the entire page as if I had printed it out and I can use a stylus and mark it up. You know what else I use my iPad for? When I take notes, if I'm sitting, you and I have talked about this many times, if I'm sitting in a client meeting, I could bring my laptop, I could open it up and I could type all of my notes right there. But you know what I instead prefer to do? I like to have my iPad right there with my Apple Pencil and take notes as if I was writing on a legal notepad. Now, I understand that that's sort of maybe a, 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 a missed idea in the sense that I'm in the minority, but I, I still hearken to that. So we're talking about this idea here that the iPad, you know, there's a couple of stories that you link to here from Harry McCracken, why the iPad remains a beautiful disappointment or giving up on the iPad only travel dream is what Jason Snell wrote uh, a little bit earlier today. Um, and I agree with them. I carry both because in my mind, the iPhone has a purpose. The MacBook Pro has a purpose, the laptop and the iPad has a purpose. So anyway, thanks for listening to my rant on there. But it's just that yeah. entire idea that the iPad for me still has a separate aspect and it's not to me fully replacing a laptop. There are times when I need to use a laptop, exactly what Jason Snell was talking about in his in his story here. So all that to say, are we going to see a new iPad on September 12th? <laughs> is, that, is Apple going to release anything? Probably not, but it's good to speculate yeah. on some of this. That I can say no. I mean, there is a rumor that they may have an October event this year, and maybe they'll announce a new iPad this year. Probably not the iPad Pro. Probably maybe just yeah. the original, you know, the, the regular version of the iPad might come out later this year. Um, and I expect it just to be a speed bump. Um, I, I ultimately do agree with you. Um, by the way, you said that the original iPad did not come out with a keyboard. It did, because remember, this is the issue that the keep the 30 pin connector was on the um the short side of the iPad and so the oh, very yeah. first 2010 model of the iPad had a keyboard that only worked if your iPad was in um portrait mode which was oh, a little odd right. and there was a rumor that Apple actually had a version of the iPad that had two 30 pin connectors one on each side so that you could either have it in landscape or have it in portrait mode and mm -hmm, then they mm -hmm. decided no we're just going to have a single connector on it and just and and opted for what I thought was the less obvious choice of portrait mode seems right. like it should have been landscape mode but that's uh you know that fast forwards to today where they still have the camera on the on the portrait mode for side right. mode, which makes no sense right. to me on the iPad but anyway I, I do, but I do agree with your rant in that the, the way to appreciate <laughs> and this is much. what David Sparks says too in his post exactly. you know you have to exactly. just accept the iPad for what it is which is great right. but at the same right. time that I accept the iPad for what it is and and I love my iPad and get so much use out of it I still can't help wishing it could do more and you know when you think I of agree. how much more do it does agree. today than what it did in the past yeah. right i do think that if it if it took over a few more of those computer tasks um mm. more and more people would be able to leave the computer at home and just use the ipad and since as i always say when i travel I'm going to want to have my iPad with me, of course, for right. all the obvious right. reasons to read documents and to look at videos and everything else. So I would yeah. love it if I don't have to also have the the MacBook Pro or the or the, the right. laptop or whatever. So that's that's what I like about it. But um, we can always hope for more, and you know, we'll we'll see what Apple does next year if they do have this advance in the iPad, as Mark Gurman says that they're planning. We'll see.
Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, thanks for listening to my rant. And and and, and that's <laughs> it. I I mean, there's always things that I wish I you know we, we and I have talked about even the stage manager change. I know some people like it, and who somebody mentioned you know that they have it turned off by default, which is weird because if Apple wants us to use it in in that way, I like the stage manager. Um, uh, I use it. Um, you know, and I I carry both, and I do understand. Like, I don't mean to be judgmental and i understand people only want to carry one device frankly to me in my mind today you should carry just your iphone <laughs> if you've got a modern day <laughs> iphone that will pretty much do almost exact all of the stuff that you really want to do you know with the dictation is so much better today and everything but okay yeah uh we'll, we'll see where this goes i would love to see something happening uh in the ipad hardware on September 12th, you know, a lot of times they'll just barely mention something. Of course, we are anticipating iPad OS 17, right? Along with iOS 17. And so I'm looking forward to all the improvements that that's going to happen with the iPad. I don't think it's going to solve some of these things that we're talking about, but one can always hope. Whew, we'll see what happens here in a couple of weeks, right? A lot of stuff going on on that. Let's change to a completely different topic, shall we now? <laughs> I thought this was really an interesting article that you posted to. Hey, if you've got an old classic stereo, you know, one of those that you paid many thousands of dollars uh, many years ago, don't, don't, don't throw it away. You know, don't sell it on Facebook Marketplace. You could actually turn it into an AirPlay 2 speaker. Here's a new device from Eve. Uh, what is this called? Oh, Eve Play. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it's a cool little device. I had something similar years ago. I used to have, um, it was very popular in like, gosh, the 2005 era, the Bose sound dock, which is just sort of a, a self-contained oh, yeah. unit, but it had a 32 right. connector on it for your iPod. And so I used it with my early iPhones. And then when Apple made that switch that we were talking about earlier from the 30 pin to the uh, lightning, I couldn't, I couldn't sit my iPhone in anymore. And so <laughs> right. I eventually got, right. and I reviewed it about a, about a decade ago, a little device that would sit, it was a perform a similar function, although this case, it was a 30 pin to Bluetooth as opposed to here, which is more sophisticated and RCA and all these other ports to um, to AirPlay 2. But it was the it was the idea of taking an older device and making it work wirelessly, which is great. And so yeah. I, I've long since now moved on. I, I now, of course, have the um, HomePod minis as opposed to yeah, the um, the old Bose device. But um, but here it's the same idea. You know, people spent, gosh, $10,000, even more on some of these stereo systems, which still sound fantastic. They sound great. And so if you have not already, you know, again, many amplifiers have the, some of this stuff built in, but if you don't already have a way to uh, to bring it into the uh, the digital and the wireless age, this looks like a nice product to do it. It looks like it will do these, uh, they call them the RCA audio outputs, right? That's the old yeah, red and green. Yeah, which is the key green. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the analog outputs, which is great. I mean, th this is Red and really white, actually, not red and green. Red and yeah. white, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, red and white. I apologize. Yeah, mm -hmm. red and white, that's the RCA analog outputs. So basically, this is like converting digital uh, streams, right, of music in a way into analog. But again, absolutely, you know, the uh, the audio files that like it, like that sound, I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And if it's you've got to go into the digital era, uh, but you still want to have your analog sound, that's the that's an option to look at. Well, in, in, a, in a similar way, let's look at you know, if you want to you listen to your albums uh, from your phone streaming, maybe through the Eve play. Here's a nice little article you link to on Max Stories. John Voorhees reviewed an app called Long Play, and they just released a 2.0 version. So we can use Apple Music, we can use Spotify, but a lot of that is streaming, right? Except that 
you can on both apps actually download local copies of music. And I do this a lot when I fly, you know, I, I can't stream. So I just have a local version of an album, for example, that I might want to listen to while I'm on the plane. Well, if you have some of those downloaded in Apple Music, or I, I still have some that I had uh, copied over, you know, when I used the iTunes software, Jeff, this long play app will allow you to uh, play it, but in a way that's more album focused. Anyway, John Voorhees does a much better job of explaining this than I do, but I do like the visual component of this here. You can actually see the album arts, which is for me, I'm a visual guy and I like having, you know, access to those, the, to the album art on there. You know, a lot of times that's just lost on my kids today. Like they're like, why would we look at album art? You know, but it, for you and I, I mean, that's how we would recognize an album, right? And just listening to it, all the tracks on an album, for example. And uh, anyway, just a quick little app if, uh, called long play i think it's only six dollars and uh, i'm getting i'm gonna have it because i just i like having that app spec especially for those downloaded uh, uh music that you have uh on your phone in apple music good stuff good stuff okay from a happy music stuff to maybe some scary privacy stuff wow so i use my iphone when I take mass transit. I love this, Jeff. I do this when I go to Chicago, when I get on the train, guess what? I'm using my Apple wallet. When I go to New York and I get on the subway, guess what I'm using? My iPhone. I don't get out a card and pull it or pay cash or buy a ticket or anything. I use it on my iPhone through Apple Pay. But now I'm gonna second guess my choices here. You link to a yeah. story, NYC subway security flaw seemingly exposes impossible <laughs> Apple Pay vulnerability scary stuff yeah. here it was and there's two flaws here and i linked to this article last night and i think one of the first things i said is i want to learn more and uh as you're showing it right now brett uh -huh. they've already updated this article to say that they <laughs> fixed it. one part of the flaws which is great so that first part that they fixed was it had been that if you knew somebody's credit card number and of course there's so many different ways to find someone's credit card number um you could just type that credit card number and the expiration date onto the mta website and the idea is that a, an individual writer could see their history but somebody that was trying to stalk you could just as easily mm. see your history and see, yeah. hey, they got on this exit, they got off this exit, see it almost in real time. It's a little scary for stalking purposes. But yeah. that was an obvious flaw for the MTA. And thank goodness they fixed that, at least as we're saying this now, that's the latest update to the article. Yeah. So that's well, good mostly news. Mostly overnight but, they fixed it, right. which is so, great. Bravo. This update is today. <laughs> Exactly. Clap to the clap for them. But the real reason I linked to this article was the second flaw. And maybe this was me misinterpreting how Apple Pay was supposed to work. But I mm -hmm. remember when Apple came up with Apple Pay years ago and they talked about how you're not using your credit card number per se, but that you're using a little token identifier. And I thought right. the idea, I mean, the idea was that Apple wouldn't see what your purchases were and stuff like that. So Apple wouldn't know your credit card history. But um, I always assumed that the merchants, the merchants also did not get your credit card for the very reason that, you know, here in the United States, where you give in a restaurant, for example, you give the waiter your credit card and they go in the back to run the credit card. You have no idea if they're photocopying your credit card to keep your number or to like try to use it later on in the day somewhere else, you know, you or or maybe if you trust your waiter, but somebody else, you know, just snaps a picture of it. And so I always like the idea of Apple Pay having the security that you're not even giving them your number. Yeah. It's just giving them a token and that behind the scenes that's changed over to the number. But the only way that that MTA flaw now fixed 
could have worked is if MTA was able to associate whatever that Apple Pay token was with a credit card number. Credit and card, I don't, right. I, I want to find out more. How, how are they doing that? Um, am I wrong? Do merchants actually get your real credit card number or were they doing something behind the scene to match it up with your accounts? Because mm. it's like, if, I, if I'm standing there in a store and I do this Almost, almost daily because I use Apple Pay all the time. Yep, you know, same. even when it could be just as easy to use a credit card or to use Apple Pay and my Apple Watch because you can tap to pay with credit cards now too. I always sure. opt for Apple Pay if I can same. because I feel like, first of all, it's super easy to use. So why not use it? And you can use it with any credit card. But second of all, um, I feel like there's a little bit more security there. Um, so this article makes me wonder what you know maybe it's still secure but not quite as is additionally secure as i thought i want to know more about what merchants get and i hope that as a result of this article not you know bravo to the mta for fixing the first flaw but i want to learn more about um you know what what the privacy story is on um apple pay and what was interesting to me is that the article on apple's website which specifically addresses apple pay privacy it doesn't uh -huh. I mean it says a lot, but it doesn't really answer this specific question because I read it very closely last night. Um, and it doesn't really explain what the merchant does or does not see. So anyway, it's a developing story. We'll 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 see well, what happens. Thank you to Ben Lovejoy at nine to five Mac for continuing to stay on top of this. Like I said, this this update came in like early hours this morning here. Oh yeah. And he, he did just say some have suggested that Express Transit is an exception to that one-time code in order could be, maybe could be. in order to track both the entry and the exit on subway systems, you know, with with the barriers mm -hmm. at both ends. Because like you have to know when you go in and when you go out. Although I gotta tell you, depending on some places that I go, I know in Chicago at least, I only tap my phone when I'm leave when I when I enter, right? Um and I don't think that I tap it on the way out. Maybe it, there's a sensor. Different anyway, subway <laughs> systems work yeah, differently. Now yeah. I want to know a little bit more just, just like you. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for bringing that to the attention. And uh, we'll definitely be following that. Uh, speaking of riding on the trains, where you at segment? Where you at? Here, here's a couple of good ones. Uh, let's see. Go first with uh, finding a stolen car. This is in Nashville. Po Nashville police use AirTag to track down a stolen car. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the perpetrator here had drugs and more in the car. Uh, and the, my, uh, my lesson learned from this uh, story, Jeff, is that if you decide to steal a car, don't don't drive it to a barbershop <laughs> to get a haircut. Because <laughs> apparently that's yeah. where they found him, where they stopped. <laughs> There were three stories today, and I think all of them tell sort of a different story about this. Yeah. This first one, I think, is just sort of the straight middle of the road story. This is how it's supposed to yeah. work. Yeah. Somebody has an air tag in their car. Their car is stolen. They call the cops. The cops find the car. They get it back to them. I mean, this is this is the plain vanilla. Beautiful. What a success story. Beautiful. This is this is the great one. Um, so the other ones have some little twists to it. I got nothing yes. more to say on that one. But uh, which, which one you have here next? Let's see. Here, here's is... another one. So the, this was uh, a gentleman was flying. He left his very expensive headphones on the plane. Uh, in, but he was he was comfortable with it because he found out that he had an air tag associated with him. And he's like, oh, well, they're there at the airport until they weren't at the airport, right? <laughs> and so he was bound to determine, I'm gonna get these back. So I'm gonna go and find the house that these 
uh, headphones went to uh, until uh, his wife finally talked him out of doing that. <laughs> and that's real. That that's the spirit, the, the 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 real lesson here. And we've talked about this before. Don't take matters into your own hands. You know, yeah. you're not going. If, right. if somebody right. is going to be a thief, that also means that they could be dangerous, and you don't want to be in that situation. It's so easy to call the police. And again, the police in some communities they may have much bigger fish to fry, and so maybe right. getting your right. nice headphones back is is not at the top of their list of priorities. But hopefully, like like this one person here, you will be successful in here. The the police were able to get it. And that's a, a great story. So, but well, that, that's the big reminder here. As his, uh, a, a very wise wife, uh, said, do you want to die over a hundred dollar pair of headphones? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank goodness for wise spouses. So the, and then the, this last the moral, one this, here, the moral yeah, of that story right. is listen to your spouse. Listen, that's that's you know, the <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. And this one is not just the air tag, but it is the iPhone emergency SOS that actually didn't work at least initially at least the way it was designed to jeff which I, exactly. I got scared at first reading this until there was a happy ending that's what was so interesting to me about this article she realizes that it's starting to flood when she's hiking she can see the water coming up Utah, she's like right, uh oh right. i'm in trouble and in she cabin, tries right. to use and of course there's no cell phone service and so she's i think in utah i think is where she is and so that's she tries right. to use the satellite feature and to her, it looked like it did not go through. And she's like, uh-oh, <laughs> I've got to figure yeah. this one out myself. And so it she said ends send up failure. Yeah, yeah she, send it, failure. she got emergency services message send failure. That's the message she got back. So at this point, she's like, I got to take things into my own hands, which meant she there was this huge muddy area that she had to go through with her dog and had mud from foot to, foot to toe. But somehow the message did go through. And I don't know if that meant the entire first message did right. not go through and right. then she got the error message, but some of it did. Or maybe her phone on its own was continuing to try to communicate with the satellite, even as if it was in her bag or something. Who knows how it happened? But some of the message did get through. And so they were able to get to her. And, you know, she may have been okay otherwise. It's unclear from the article, but she certainly could use some help. She had lost her shoes mm -hmm. through all of this sort of stuff. Right. And so the emergency right. folks, they went to where her original signal came and she wasn't there, but then they went just a little bit further and they did find her with the helicopter and stuff and so you know fortunately she was safe but that's the big message here is because wow. if you're in an emergency situation where you're using emergency sos we all know right. that you're not going to necessarily have all your wits about you and then if you see your iphone say it didn't work you might be going crazy so yes. hopefully yes. the the what happened to this person could happen to the rest of us that you know maybe you're still okay even if you get an error message and boy what a relief that would be the search and rescue team said that they did receive an emergency message. It contained location information and a standard text saying that the device owner needed assistance. So apparently mm -hmm. that was like the very basic, we talked about this. That's satellite the first part uh, of it. Function. Yeah. Right. The satellite function is very, very, uh, as minimal amount of information as possible, you know, so that it'll go through. And so apparently that's all that they received. And like you said, to your point, they, they got a helicopter out, they went to that location, but they found her two miles downstream because you could just see where all the flooding went and everything. And she was following that path on there. But um, I don't, I don't know what's the moral of this story is like, try it, even if it says failure, it could still work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hope. I mean, at that exactly. point, it's like you cross your fingers and just pray that maybe something will happen. But if nothing else, it's just good to know that it's still there and available. Indeed. 
Let's go to a happy ending story for ourselves. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I sent this so, this video to my wife this morning, and she was. I think she may have started crying. Uh, uh, not that not that I didn't cry a little bit, but this was great. And of course, it's all about using an iPhone, not to like take necessarily a picture, but to use the lidar scanner to create a three D replica of a beautiful little dog. Is it Trip? Trip is his name, so that he could have a prosthetic leg created for him. And at the end of the yeah. video, if you don't shed a little happy tear, I, I don't know if you're actually human or not. <laughs> there were two parts of this video that jumped out at me. The first part is how cool it was that they took this 3D image and then they were able to create in a 3D printer this prosthetic leg. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like they did it. Right. They, it was perfectly formed for this dog. That's fantastic. And at the end of the video, they show other dogs they've done it for. So that's the first part. Uh -huh. But then after they made the leg, I'm thinking, well, you know, this thing is sort of plastic. Is this going to actually work? Yeah, and then you look at the video of the no. dog just having it looked like yeah. the time of his life frolicking around, jumping around. Clearly, that dog had had no trouble figuring out how to use this prosthetic limb Clearly. and you know how wonderful that is and then again at the end of the video they show all these other dogs that these the same company uh has used to help them out and uh that's just fantastic so great. it's if this video does not make you smile then you know i don't exactly. know exactly i can't, I can't help you you know this is just Here, one of these perfect feel so good videos. next week you got to find a behind the scenes like the making because oh, every time you link to awesome? one of these one of these movies jeff you always have the original movie and then we like mm -hmm. having a behind the scenes because now that's what i'm watching like there's a shot right here you can see on the screen that i've posted here where they must have a camera on the prosthetic leg itself because you're looking up at the dog on the leg <laughs> like how did they get that shot i want to know how they got that shot did they do it with an iphone most probably because most of the time when we watch these behind the scenes movies they show how they get all of these shots anyway just yeah. a great video thank you for making uh, me very very happy and my wife happy this morning too well worth it on there in the know uh no. let's talk about i think maybe we both have a very similar uh, uh tip here which i think is great we've talked about this uh you know we going back kind of over the years of when apple introduced i think they originally called it the the force tap or the force tap and hold i can't remember exactly mm -hmm. what they initially called this jeff but it is basically taking your finger and tapping and holding on an app. Now, this isn't anything new because way in the early future, or the early history, we were able to tap and hold on an app on our iPhone. And if you held it there for about like a second and a half, we go into what we technically call, the technical term here, jiggly mode, right? Where all <laughs> the apps jiggle back and forth because then you can move them and arrange them the way that you want to. But I can't remember when, see if you can, if you can find out, that Apple introduced this force tap where you tap and hold and you can even feel there's a little uh, haptic feedback on there and it comes up and shows a secondary menu on that app. Now we've talked about this a little bit before and I gotta tell you, Jeff, I, I just, I don't use these very often, uh, mainly because I think I'm just not trained to do it, right? When I, we've been using iPhones for so long that I just simply tap to go into the actual app. But one that I have been using recently is on the Mail app. Now, there's the I'll use Outlook on my iPhone, and I also use the Mail app. And if you tap and hold on the Mail app, 
whatever, wherever it is on your screen, you'll get several options here. This little secondary menu pops up just like I'm showing on the, uh, on the screen here. You can remove the app or delete the app, which I would never do for this. You can also tap edit home screen. Most all of the apps have these two options because that edit home screen puts you into that jiggly mode right. so that you can move things around. But some of the apps, especially all of the Apple apps specifically, will have some additional options on that secondary menu. And there are two things quickly I've been using on the mail app. When I go into the mail app, I've got like four or five different mail boxes or mail uh, uh, subscriptions that, that I access. And instead of going to each one of those individually, sometimes I just like to go to all mailboxes, right? And I wanna see all the new messages from all of the different uh, mail services that I use. And if I tap and hold on the mail app, I can see in that secondary menu, all inboxes, and I can jump right to that all inboxes and then all of them show up. The other option that I use quite a bit is I tap and hold on the mail app and it comes up with my VIP folder. So VIP is something that Apple introduced several years ago to where you can, usually what I do is I, identify contacts as a VIP. So my wife, for example, is a VIP contact. So if I get an email from her, it'll show up in my regular mailbox, but it'll also come in my VIP list so that I can quickly access it. And I've got a couple of other important clients and stuff you know, that I have in the VIP list, so I can jump right to that. So it's a very simple tip. I just don't think about it as much. Although now recently I've been using this mail app, tap and hold, comes up with that secondary menu. I think Apple officially calls it quick actions now, right? So they used to say touch and hold, or I say tap and hold, but maybe touch and hold is a better way to describe it. And then you get these quick actions, this quick action menu. And on the mail app specifically, you can jump to all inboxes in your VIP list. So instead of going into the mail app and navigating to the folder that I want, I can just tap and hold, touch and hold on this, and I can jump straight to all inboxes or the VIP. So that's my tip today. I love sharing tips and I love reading about tips. And oftentimes it's because it's something new and it's like, oh, I didn't know you could do it that way. But perhaps some of the most useful tips, Brett's, are when you knew something, you, it's not new. I mean, it is something that you knew right. about, but you just haven't right. used it in forever or you sort of, it, and you then you remember it. Oh, wow, this is a great tip. I, I should be thinking about this. And that's of course what this one was. So yes, this has been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, when it originally came to the um, Apple Watch in 2014, it was called Force Touch. And then the next oh, year Force in Touch. September okay. of 2015, it came to the app, the iPhone uh, 6S and it was called 3D Touch. And back then it was a little Touch. different okay. because they actually had yeah. a haptic feedback. You know, you could literally push in. Nowadays, the, the, the iPhones don't have that anymore. And so it's more of a hold as opposed yeah, to yeah. pushing harder on the screen. That's right. So the way that you trigger it has changed over the years. But the idea is the same. The idea is to get sort of like a right-click menu on, on a PC or, or a Mac. It's the idea of this extra exactly. menu. Yes. Um, and it I've known about this forever because it's been around, gosh, for you know how many years now? Eight years now. Right. But I don't always remember to use it. And when I saw that you were right. going to talk about this today, I'm like, oh, this is such a great tip. Um, and my my related tip, you talked about the mail app, which is, I, I agree, I one did. of the most useful ones toward. Um, I love to use it, um, and I was reminded of that, and I was just doing it again this morning, on the Messages app. Because on the Messages app, you know, when you open oh, the Messages yeah. app, you then need to figure out, okay, now I need to tap, who am I going to talk to? Am I, am I emailing <laughs> right. you, who Brett? Am I emailing my wife and my son, whatever, right. my daughter? But if you just hold down on the Messages app, you'll see a pop-up menu of the oh, people yeah. that you talk to the most, and you can get good record of them. So that's why I love the tip. Now, here's my criticism, not my criticism, but just the thing to worry about, uh, to, to, yes. to be concerned about. For Apple's apps, 
you cannot control, at least not that I know of, what things show up in the pop-up menu. Yeah. And to give you that an example of question. that, yeah. you just said, Brett, um, if you hold down on your mail app, did you just tell me that you see an option that says all inboxes? I do. Okay. And I don't VIP. see that option. So the options oh. that I see on mine are iPhone JD, which is my iPhone JD mailbox for my the You're mail that people yeah. send, you know, Jeff at iPhoneJD.com. Oh. And then the second one that I see is VIP. And the reason I mentioned it is my mail app yep. actually has three different mail services on it. It has my work email, it has my iPhone JD email, and the third one it has is my my iCloud account through Apple and stuff. So and so in theory, it would be useful to see all inboxes. But the reality is for me, the amount of time that I access my work email on my iPhone is huge. The amount of time that I access my iPhone JD email is also pretty huge. And the amount of time that okay. I look at my iCloud one is okay. like minuscule. And so I think what it's doing is it's trying to be smart. It's saying that for it me, yeah, I can, because I, I access iPhone JD so much more op often That's the folder that you than see. iCloud, yeah. it's going to yeah. give me that little tip. But for you, uh -huh. Brett, it's showing you all inboxes. So it's doing that's the right thing. I go thing. to frequently. Yes. Okay. It's doing the right thing uh, by being smart, but just keep in mind that you can't really change that. Now, some third-party apps that have uh, these quick action menus, they will actually let you change in the settings which things show up there, which oh, I do think is okay. nice. Um, yeah. And I don't know if Apple will ever let you do it. So, you know, as long as Apple's making the right choices, that's great. But just keep in mind that if you were to share this tip with somebody else, the things that you see on your quick action might be a little different from what they see right. on their quick right. action. Um, but as long as you're going to be using it yourself and you know what's there and stuff, that's great. Um, so back to my tip on messages. I mean, if I do my messages app right now and I hold down on it, the choices that I see are my son, my daughter, and my wife. Makes sense because those are the people that I text yeah. with the most. But the I suspect most, that right. if you and I, Brett, started texting each other a whole bunch, you know, over the next then week or two, maybe you would show up there and replace one of the other people, which is fine if that's what you want. But if you're expecting to see your daughter show up and suddenly she's not there, that would be why. Is it's trying to be smart and do the right thing, which is good, but you just don't have you know 100 control over what shows up. You're exactly. And that was my that was exactly where I was going with this, Jeff, because I would love to when I tap and hold on my or touch and hold on my mail app, I would love to maybe even specify a, a secondary you know folder that I would want to go right. to. But I think you're right on my messages. When I touch and hold on my messages, I get my daughter, my wife and then our family chat. But those are the mm -hmm. ones that I typically text back and forth with the most. So there's got to be some kind of some, uh, algorithm on the back end that Apple is using to your point exactly. Like if it sees that you're going to this one folder or you're texting this individual more, those are the ones that will show up there. And it, it, like you said, it's great and I appreciate that. But I do wish there was a way that I could tweak that. I think it would be neat if I could actually, you know, say I want these individuals to be uh, to, to show up there. Most of the time, those are the folks that I want to go to anyway, but it'd be neat if I could customize that a little bit, but yeah, good tips. Quick actions, touch and hold. What you said, 3D touch, force touch, now it's touch and hold, and then they call them quick actions. <laughs> so no confusion there at all. But anyway, just tap touch and hold on your, on your apps and just see, because a lot of times it is nice to have a good reminder, like you said, Jeff, about some of the things that, uh, that you can do. Woo, okay. Lots of stuff. We'll talk next week and um, anticipate even more what Apple <laughs> will talk about on September 12th. So until then, Jeff, thanks again, as always, and we'll talk with you next week. Sounds good. Enjoy the long weekend. Bye-bye, everybody.